0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Well, good morning, and welcome again. My name is Sheila. Um, I uh, we're, we're going to continue our series on miracles, as Bert said when he was speaking, and uh, we're going to actually look at the sixth of seven miracles today. We're going to look at. The healing of a man born blind. Before we do, I was thinking back way long ago to, um, around this time in 2020 and I really needed some new eyeglasses, like badly. It was on my big to-do list for the year 2020. And then, uh, Well, some things happened. And you know how that went? So I finally got an eye appointment in about June of 2021. And everything was taking a long time, so I got my new glasses in September of 2021. But in the meantime, between when I really knew I needed some new glasses, early 2020, and September of 2021, My eyesight was getting worse and worser, if you can say that, because I just did. And uh, everything was difficult. Reading a book, you know, Trombone Arm, where you keep moving the book like this to try to get it into a place where you can actually see it. And the TV was blurry. Should I watch TV with glasses on or off? And then remember how much time we spent online, Zoom calls and Zoom calls, and and then Anything else you might need to do, whether it was your bookkeeping or typing sermons or I felt like I spent most of my day looking at a computer and my glasses did not work. So I'd be driving the car and to see the speed limit or the GPS, I'd need my glasses on. But to see the road signs, I'd have to stick them up on the top of my head. And it was really tiring. So I got my new glasses and I just wanted to sing along with Aladdin. You know, um, a whole new world. I can show you the world. Uh, I can open your eyes, wonder by wonder, the flying carpet and um, a whole new world. dazzling things I've never seen before. Okay, I won't sing for you, but there is something about sight. And, uh, anyway, how that had to do, I was not blind, but I was suffering (laughs) in small ways. Um, we're going to read about a man born blind and receiving his sight at the hand of Jesus. This is the sixth of the seven miracles that we are, that were recorded in the book of John. We are saving the seventh one for a special Sunday, so it won't be next week. Um, If you've been tracking with this sermon series, every week we actually start with something John wrote at the end of his gospel, where he said this, Now, Jesus did many other signs or miracles in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, um, John really likes this word translated believe or belief. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he uses it 84 times. I think it's really important to him that the things he chose to write are going to help us believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him— not just those readers and hearers in that day, but for you and I, all these years later, that we may have life, find life in his name. The word, um, I'm no Greek expert, but I'm really good at Google. So, the word that's translated believer belief is from a Greek word, pistis. I don't know if even that's how you say it, but it means to have faith. But by implication, it means to entrust. So, I think, John wants us to go from that belief that's just somewhere up in our head to a place where we know this is the firm foundation that we're going to build our lives on. We can entrust or trust ourselves over to Jesus, the Son of God. Not just to believe as a mental understanding, but that trust. This is the belief that John emphasizes. So before we go on to the blind guy today, um, before we move forward, I really hope that as we've gone through this series, that there's been something over the course that's really stuck with you. I know there's been a few things with me. In fact, I really hope that you write it down somewhere. Some, you know, they, those some people out there say that if you write things down, you actually have a better chance of remembering them, even if you never read it again. So I hope that there's been one or two things that maybe on a post-it note um, or in your journal, or lots of us type notes into our phone. I hope there's somewhere that you've written down one or two or three things that were particularly, um, you know, just what you needed to hear and maybe what you're going to need to hear in the months ahead uh, in 2023. I have a few of them, so guess what? You get to hear them. Um, the, The first thing, just in general, you know, at the end of the first sign or miracle, remember the sign, it wasn't just about the miracle itself, but it was actually pointing to someone to something, to someone. Um, the first miracle we looked at was when Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding in the city of Cana. And at the end of it, the last verse says that it was the first sign that it was done in Cana of Galilee. It manifested his glory. And then it says, and his disciples believed in him. Okay, track with me here because um, this is really comforting because it's my life story. So, um, that they saw something. Like sometimes you and I see where God might move in our lives. And they believed. And then another challenge came along and they didn't believe anymore. You know, they'd kind of forgotten that who they were dealing with here, that there was a God who had come to earth. He, whoever he might have been, he was manifesting his glory, the glory of God. And so they doubt. And then they'd see Jesus move again and then they believe. And if you read through, I hope you do, actually, I hope in the next, you know, before we finish this series, that you actually read the first six to nine chapters of the book of John, and you'll see this pattern. They believe, then their faith is challenged, and man, they're not believing very much. And then they see God again. And you know, that's actually comforting to me, because as much as I would love to say, I always live at a level of trust even after all my years of walking with the Lord. It's the pattern of life. I believe, and then I get scared, and I doubt, and then I see Jesus move again on my behalf. So that was my overall thought. Um, we talked about the healing of that official son. The guy came from Capernaum to Cana to find Jesus. He said, come with me and heal my son. Jesus said, no, I'm not coming. Well, he didn't say it quite like that, but the guy asked him twice to come with him to heal his son because... That's what he kind of thought that you had to be present. That's what some of the prophets did. They had to be in the room to heal that person. And, um, Jesus said, no, nope, but you can go your sons, um, your sons healed. You know, that father had a 20 kilometer walk just on the word that Jesus gave him that he was healed. You know, sometimes we feel alone in something and Jesus is okay sending us off walking, you know, metaphorically what feels to be like on our own, trusting that God is doing what he said he was going to do. That really helped me, because sometimes I feel alone, and I bet you do too. How about, um, you know, the paralytic guy at the pool, and it feels like Jesus detoured. He actually detoured to find uh to find this guy who'd been lying by this pool for 38 years, a pool of a messy pool, and we don't know why he was there, and or we know he wasn't. And we don't know the circumstances of his life, but Jesus took a little trip over and found him. And I sure hope that when I'm at those times of my life, when I'm in a bit of a mess or laying beside a pool where I'm looking for healing that isn't really from God. Um, So it was encouraging to me. Ah, And then there was the feeding of the 5,000. What do I look to for the sustenance of my life? Um. Last week, we talked about the disciples being out on a boat that Jesus sent them on, and they encountered a storm, and they feared for their lives. And um, man, the account Richard read to us, not from the Gospel of John, but Mark telling this story. This I wrote this one down. And he, Jesus, saw that they were making headway painfully. Because the wind was against them. You know, have you ever been in a place where you feel like your your progress is so painful? You know, Jesus sees that. Mm, I don't know, maybe you need to hear that today or maybe in a month or two months from now, but I wrote that one down on a post-it note in my journal and in my phone because it struck me in a place that I needed. I needed it. Um there's a famous painting before we go on to the blind guy. There's a famous painting. Rembrandt did a lot of famous paintings, but he, and a lot of paintings with, um, biblical themes. And there's a famous one of the, um, it's called the storm on the sea of Galilee. I think the specific name of it is, but there's a boat and you can see the guys trying to fight the storm. You can actually see probably on the side where Jesus is where there's a bit more peace. Well, if you ever, you should look online and you should count because Um, In this boat, there's the 12 disciples and Jesus, right? That's 13. 12 plus 1 is 13. And then there's one more guy. There's actually 14 men in this boat. Rembrandt painted himself in there. I don't know what you want to do with that. But, you know, that's kind of us. It's kind of the picture of life that, yep, there's lots of times when we're in that same boat. We use that idiom, don't we? We're in the same boat. Um, We're in that same boat feeling like life is stormy, and we're there with a whole bunch of other people who have gone through the same thing. Ah, but Jesus is in that boat. Today, we are going to read um, some verses from the book of John. We're going to read John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Then we're going to skip a whole bunch because this is a really long story. Once again, John gives us lots of details when he tells us about some of Jesus' encounters, and this is one of those. So we're going to read verses 1 to 7, then we're going to skip almost to the end of the the chapter and read 35 to 38. So here we go. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Later on, a lot of things have happened. Uh, Later on, Jesus goes and finds this man. He finds out he's been cast out of the synagogue by the religious leaders, so Jesus goes back and finds this man, and here's what he said to him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' He answered, "'And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?' Jesus said to him, "'You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you.' He said, "'Lord, I believe.'" And he worshiped him. As I said, there's a lot in this chapter. I wish we could read it all, but, and we're going to refer to some of it, but, um, the, the man is healed, encounters Jesus, and he's physically healed. Then he goes off and he runs into some of the neighbors, and the neighbors are really uncertain about what's happened to this guy that they knew as a beggar. And then he runs into the Pharisees, and man, they have a lot of questions, don't they? Uh, always. And then his parents have an encounter with the Pharisees, and then the man talks to the Pharisees again, and then he gets kicked out of the synagogue, and then he has an encounter with Jesus once again. Um, here Jesus goes again. There's the story. He heals the guy. And then there's the story beneath the story. John does that, fills in, paints the rest of the picture for us. There's the sign of a man being physically healed. But then it's very clear that Jesus is saying, this is Who and what the sign is pointing to, not just a physical blindness, but that we are blind to the realities of the spiritual world if Jesus doesn't give us sight and open our eyes. He said, as long as I'm in the world, it's me. I'm the light of the world. The last, one of the last verses in this, in this chapter, in the message version, Jesus says, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear, so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. I came into the world, Jesus said, to make everything into the clear light of day, and and uh, that those who have never seen will see, and those who have a pretense of seeing and understanding will actually be exposed as being blind. So along the way in this chapter, in, um, in all the things that we didn't read, um, there are a lot of different characters and folks and people that whose path we cross and we hear about. And I want to just look at a few different groups of people here, um, quickly. And yet each one, each encounter has something significant, I think, for us because um, we don't always see. And though um, I had a simple repair for having trouble seeing the television um, with a new pair of glasses, uh, we need the sight that goes beyond, we need something to come into our lives that takes us beyond um, the pretense of seeing or just our blindness to the spiritual world or who Jesus is or the blindness that um, inhibits us from having faith in him, we need something to come and open our eyes. And sometimes we need to see what hinders that. In fact, regularly, I need to understand what hinders my sight, makes it kind of blurry from seeing Jesus and who he is. Um we're going to go through a few people. We're going to talk about the neighbors and the Pharisees and uh, and uh, oh, and his parents. But first, I, I have a thought about the disciples because the very first question the disciples asked Jesus they they're walking along, they see a guy who's been blind from birth, and the disciple says, "Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" This question bothers me um, because it's a question I would ask. Uh, you know, there's often a why question associated with suffering. We do it to ourselves and we do it to other people. Because somewhere inside of us, we think good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. So if I'm a good person, only good things happen to me. And if something happens to that person, they must be a bad person. And we we always want to attach a why or figure out why there's suffering in our own lives and the lives of others. Why me, God? Why them? Why, why have you let this happen? Um, big question in the world out there. If there's a loving God in the world, then why is there so much suffering? And, uh, you know, when you're suffering, and you keep asking why you actually pile suffering upon your suffering. And um, so even the implication when they see this blind guy their assumption is somebody did something wrong. And here's how illogical it can be. They said, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now figure this one out. How do you sin before you were born? If you can answer that one for me, I'll just type it in the chat on Facebook. So you see where we're going. It's like we ask questions, and we, we bury ourselves, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 this isn't about that. This is about demonstrating the glory of God and my compassion in a broken world and all that we're supposed to see, not a dialogue about who did something wrong, but the manifestation of the love and the compassion of Jesus. Okay. On from that one. From this point on in the story, we encounter three different groups of people. The first group of people after this fellow was healed, um, pretty miraculous. They're called, we'll call them the neighbors. And, uh, they said they knew this guy, but they knew him as the beggar that was in the street because when you were handicapped, that was your only option. Um, for survival was that you would beg and somebody would, You know, provide for you whatever you need, food and, uh, whatever kind of care you needed. And so the neighbors ask some questions. They go, Oh, wait a minute here. I I know this guy. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And one group said, It is he. And another group says, No nobody is like him. In other words, no, 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 it just looks like him. It can't really be him. The man responds, I am the man. And then they're like, but then how are your eyes opened? And so I want to say that, you know, these guys, their vision was kind of blurred by unbelief. Yeah. Is it him? Oh, it can't even really, it couldn't be the guy. Like, how can he be seeing? They're not going, they're in fact, nobody. Think about this. Nobody in this story not the parents, not the fairy, Pharise- not the parents, not the Pharisees, not the neighbors go amazing this man can see instead their their vision is so blurred by the things that just confuse them or they don't understand or their presuppositions and uh so these people are like, "Oh, their unbelief oh, it can't be him, like instead of going amazing. This guy can see. Let's have a party. Something miraculous has happened. They're caught up in their own cynicism or maybe doubt or unbelief. Their vision is blurred. Sometimes have you ever thought, oh, if so-and-so just saw a miracle, they'd know that Jesus was God and all the rest of this. And and yet the stories we see, we, people are living there. They're seeing flesh and blood, the miraculous, and still they can't see. Ah, vision blurred by unbelief. Okay, let's go on to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are, you know, an interesting group of people. They are the religious leaders. They know it all. In fact, you know, the one Jesus said, that message version said something about the ones who have the pretense of seeing, but they don't really. These are the guys he was talking about. Yeah, and sometimes us too, right? So some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God why not for he does not keep the sabbath but others said how can a man who is a sinner do such signs and there was a division among them so we got two problems going on here with the pharisees the first one is just that their religiosity blinded them they had so many thoughts of what was what the rules were the rules In fact, especially the rules about the Sabbath, because we've seen Jesus before get under their skin because he does things on the Sabbath that broke some of their, however many, I don't know, 39. There's probably more rules that you were and weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. So they're so stuck up in, stuck in their minds, in their religiosity and in their systems that they miss the very demonstration of God right in front of them. The others... Said, um, it said there they were um there was division among them because they're a little confused. How can a guy who's a sinner, okay, if we say he's a sinner because he broke the Sabbath, but how can a guy who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. You know, um, man, this thing about religious people being divided because of things they believe or don't believe, nothing new, you know. Um Book of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun what has plagued the church in the last number of years in fact what has blinded people from seeing Jesus in fact what has Probably blinded and distorted people outside of the church, even from seeing Jesus. Well, some of it's just division. Uh, we've all seen it. Uh, the pandemic, my goodness, it brought out some nasty stuff in people who call upon the name of Jesus because this person's doing, you know, if you believe, if you're in this camp over here, we could pick them all vaccines or masks. Or if you're in this camp over here, there was a schism, a, a division between you. How about politics? You think about all of All of the political divisions that have gone on in the last even decade and social media, sorry, it just blows it out of, you know, just to the next level. But you think about the United States, the gap and the division, not just in unbelievers, but I'm talking about in the church about people who believe in Jesus saying, if you vote this way, you certainly can't be a Christian. Or if you vote that way, and instead of Focusing on God wanting, as Jesus said, His glory to be seen in the church, the church, and us within our own hearts, we get kind of tied up in things that are just dis- divisive. The United States, Brazil—I have Brazilian friends on both sides of the political sphere there, and uh, they love the Lord, and yet it can come in and divide, and 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 then we don't see, we don't see what Jesus is trying to do and who He is, and we don't focus on letting others see who our Savior is. Uh, I think sometimes the world out there knows way more about what the church is against than the one we're for, and then the pre- presentation of the life of who God is. So, the neighbors, the Pharisees. The next one kind of breaks my heart. I'm a mom. I got four kids, and uh, I just have trouble getting my head around this one, but the parents, his parents. So, the scripture says, his parents said these things. Okay, what things did they say? Um, the Pharisee said, was your son blind? And what's going on here? And they want to answer from the parents. And the parents uh, were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews. So it says this, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus as the Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. You know, how many things... How many times is my vision or yours blurred by fear? Um, I can, I can't imagine, but I know it was there. The shame of having a child that was born with a handicap in that day and age that remember what the disciples said who sinned. Well, that wasn't just their idea. Something must they must have done something wrong to have a child that was born blind and they didn't look after this adult child. They left him out on the street to beg. And when, when the, you know when the Pharisees asked him, "You know what's gone on here with your child?" um I just can't even imagine as a parent being so caught up in my own fears or shame or guilt or that I'm not overwhelmed with gratitude and joy that my son can see. They missed the miracle, all the heartache they'd had all these years, and they missed it because they were afraid that the Jews were going to kick them out of the synagogue. Uh, what does fear plague you? Sometimes do you miss out of the, the miracle that might be in front of you because you're afraid? I was thinking about, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm watching the clock here, but I just have to tell you this one because I think it's important. Um, I, I was, I was thinking back to uh, to when I first came to faith and I heard about tithing. And I actually, as a young woman, very young, started tithing first on my part-time job in college. And then as soon as I um graduated from school, every paycheck I tithed, and then I met a guy and married him who had that same thing in his heart, 10% of your income, you're going to give it to the Lord. And I was thinking about my dad for some reason, because if my dad had ever known... um, My parents went to church and every week faithfully gave in the offering, but that tithe would have blown my dad away. Now, if I would have lived in fear of my dad's opinion, I would never have experienced all the financial, miraculous things that have happened in births in my life all the provision over and just beyond what we could imagine. Why? Because God says, if you give, the windows of heaven. But you know, if you're not living in that place of faith and you're dominated by fear, you never do. giving's just one example. But you never do the things to actually have your eyes open to the miraculous and who God is. That was an aside. So, why all the detail in the book of John? Every miracle, he gives kind of the deeper picture of it because he wants us to believe. He wants us to believe, and we believe by seeing, and we see the works of God. And see. And he wants us to see the one. He wants us to see Jesus. It's not that this man sinned, remember from the beginning of our reading, but that the works of God might be displayed. So finally, closing verse here, just thinking about the light, the marvelous light that Jesus has come to bring into the world and into my life and into yours. And there's things that are going to blur it. And guess what? We're going to fight that fight to, to, um, to recognize them. I'm afraid. I'm just being religious. I'm allowing my thoughts to divide me from others who love Jesus. I'm asking, Why? Too often, instead of asking, come Lord Jesus and intervene in our lives. And here's what Peter wrote about us as the church. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, Jesus' own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let's pray together. Father, help us see the things that hinder us, that hinder our faith, that blur and blind our eyes, and let us see and proclaim the one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous life, into his marvelous light, in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, uh, one, two steps for you, two things to do. One, Reflect back on these last, if if you've forgotten some of the sermon series, go online. They're all there on the website. Listen to them again. Reflect back and write down one or two things that might help you to believe in 2023. And the other thing is talk about it. And the best place to talk about it is in your small group. Don't skip small group. Join. Talk about each of these sermons as we go through the week. If you've never joined a small group, go online. Find the Next Steps tab fill in the the virtual card, give us a bit of information, and right in there, I want to join a small group, and we'll help you get connect- connected. This week in, in the small group I'm a part of, we talked about the storms of life, because that was our story from last Sunday, and we prayed for one another that God would be there for us and intervene in our lives. So, God bless you, and uh, see you next week. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.